It's on. Got one. We we missed two. There it is. <laughs> yeah, the uh, connection that we've been oh, God. the entire time absolutely dropped because I heard nothing and then a long pause and then missed one and I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, folks. Welcome back to the Covert Show. That took exactly no time to <laughs> no. drop off. We're on fire. Cheers oh. to another fine episode. Yes, sir. Holy shit. Well, we'll get an S-bomb out Bad of the way. Start. Welcome back to the Covert Show, folks. This is episode number 68 for you guys keeping track at home. For us, this should have been number 69. <laughs> Well, it was not. It was um, somebody decided to send the wrong audio file last week, and we haven't gotten the other one up. So we're just calling this one 68, and we'll push on from there. Um, so, yeah, we, we've been kind of dealing with a lot. This is the first podcast for me in the good old new digs. If you guys cannot check it out, I got the hat rack behind me. It was kind of a, it was a shelf from inside the kitchen pantry. But we pulled it out, kind of made it a little hat rack. We're in the new apartment here in good old Winterset back at you. JC's coming to you live from Storm Lake. And, folks, we actually went out in public together. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, we did. The first time since hockey. Oh, was that January? Something December? like that. I can't remember. It's it might have been back in twenty twenty two. It was it was a it was a moment ago. But we actually went out in public. We had some good old grub at the good old Iowa Tap House, and that was some pretty fun stuff. Shout had a couple out. of beers. Yeah, shout out to you guys. Hopefully, you guys plug this in the good old Iowa Tap House, but. Yeah, JC was in town for a concert. We'll get to that on how that went. I was just kind of bouncing around doing my thing, and the good old man said, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, besides cleaning out the other apartment, I got nothing. Husker football starts at 6, so what's up? And so we ended up meeting out or meeting up together. RC was also there. The three boys in the house. It was, it was a good time. Had a lot of conversation, talked about some sports, talked about the good old life in general. And now we're here. Everybody needed. If we're all being, I don't. I mean, I guess I can't speak for you, but it was what I needed. So get out, get your sanity back just a little bit. And you know, good old, good old RC is uh, always, always enthusiastic. <laughs> Indubitably, RC is always there. But you guys went to a concert afterwards. How was that? That was at Woolies. Well, here's the thing, and it is very interesting because I've never been to Woolies, but it was a good reminder. Everybody that's a concert goer, hot take of the day: smaller venues are better than stadiums to see a show. I will honestly stand by that hot take one hundred percent. Because this uh, this year, I've seen Pitbull at the Jones County Fair. Not especially close, but it's a you know. Yeah. It was at a, it was where I was was uh, the track for those that are familiar with the Jones County Fair, which may be nobody, but. And then went to Power Man 5000 down at the Rust Belt. And, like, you're up close and personal there. And so Wooly is, is that same thing. And, you know, we saw the good old native howl, orbit culture, and avatar. And let me tell you about them. I, uh, we got up close and personal with native howl. And uh, so they were good. Orbit culture is one that a lot of people were there to see. 
like that was they were almost more enthused for Orbit Culture than Avatar. That was not me, but uh, Orbit Culture was pretty solid. And then of course you have the Almighty Avatar, and uh, it was good. You know, sound was a little interesting at points, but you'll have that with smaller venues. But you know, we saw RC and I did. We saw Avatar back in Incarceration. I want to say twenty two. Might have been Incarceration twenty one. Anyway, Incarceration Fest uh, in Ohio, either, I want to say it was last year, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, I had to, had to go see him up close and personal, and then RC decided that he was also going to join me down there. So, there you go. It was uh, a good time had by all. Well, sounds like it. I will ask, because we talked about this, and I forget what band it was that you guys were talking about, of where they ripped off a Metallica song. According right, to RC's well, here's fit. The thing. RC <laughs> went on a uh, diatribe about this. Uh, <laughs> to say the least. Now, uh, well, he wasn't done. He went on a diatribe when he was um, at the tap house as well. So there's this band. It's a, it's a, they're called the Native Hall. I talked about them. They're from uh, Detroit area. Bluegrass and thrash metal, okay? So automatically you're going like, all right, that's that's interesting. That is a very interesting The song interesting is combo. Harvester of Constant Sorrow, okay? And there's a – trying to look this all up because I can't remember the Metallica song he was talking about. Maybe it's Harvester of Constant Sorrow. I'm not uh, – I think that was the one because there was a song called Constant Sorrow too that I remember that he was so, talking about. Okay, it's Harvester of Sorrow. Now, all these titles are important because nobody ripped anybody off. <laughs> so, Native Howl, the song is entitled Harvester of Constant Sorrow. And so, there's a Soggy Bottom Boys song, which, you know, RC had an absolute field day learning that that was a band. The Bluegrass Band has a song called I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow. It's a good song if you haven't listened to it. It's a really good song. It's Metallica has a song called Harvester of Sorrow. Native Howl mashes those together, being that they are a heavy metal, bluegrass. thrash metal and bluegrass band. And they turn that into the song title of Harvester of Constant Sorrow. So nobody ripped anybody off. And they flat said before they played it, it's a combination of Soggy Bottom Boys and Metallica. It's not like they're trying to hide it. Yeah, they were they were honest about it. They were all for it, so And it bangs. It's so good, by the way. If you don't have if you haven't listened to him, shout out Native Howl. Harvester of Constant Sorrow. You gotta check it out. Indubitably. Cause RC, I remember we got to the tap house and JC was talking about it on how RC was going off on they ripped off this Metallica song. And you could tell JC was at or RC was adamant about it really is (laughs) i mean it's one of those deals where and you know i don't know how many people are really know rc well but like music critic is the career path he should have taken oh 100 percent. if you've never been around him and like there's certain artists that like get him going career path change to music critic He'd be pretty darn good at it. Doesn't he not like LMFAO? 
Isn't that one of the No, LMFAO of- needs to make a uh, comeback, according to him. Really? Which, if and you know how he's heavy metal this and heavy metal. There's certain artists that are just like, dude, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, why are you on like, this board of, of fandom here? Like, for me, I listen to anything and everything, basically. Pretty much. Like, I was going through, and there's a, a couple people at, where I work that don't believe that I'm, like, you know, pretty much anything. And we went through, and I picked random songs off of a playlist on Spotify I have, wait for it, called The Mega Playlist. The Mega Playlist. Six hours and 53 minutes of music. Holy crap, dude. We got, you know, some subcategories of other playlists, but that's like the playlist. That's like your, your everything list. And let me tell you, when you fly places or when you drive places, oh, yeah. And when you're, like, flying places or driving places with Spotify Premium, I'm going to hurt myself flexing on that. <laughs> um, that whole entire playlist is fantastic because no matter what mood you're in, there's something on there. So, anyway, I'm done flexing because if I flex anymore, I'm going to hurt myself. Jeez, um, got it but, with the dad jokes yeah. here on the pod. I do, what I, I do what I can. But for those that aren't familiar with good old Avatar – Swedish heavy metal band, you know, the. I'm trying to think, you know, the big hits, Hail the Apocalypse, Smells Like a Freak Show, Colossus, uh, a couple other ones, that The Eagle Has Landed is one that I really like, and then uh, Paint Me Red was a new one that, uh, during the show, that was like, that was pretty good. So, there you go, that's some of the highlights from uh, good old uh, Avatar. Well, hell yeah. <laughs> We got one person going to concerts. The other one is, I will, and I'll say this. You you mentioned it earlier. The smaller venues seem to be better for concerts. I don't know how hot of a take that is. I'm sure some people will be like, no, you got to go to the big venue. You got to go to the stadiums outside. You got to go to Taylor Swift in the rain. I'm not saying stadium tours or bigger places are better or worse, but I mean, just for what I've gone to for my last set of concerts, which was Power Man in Sioux City, Volbeat in Sioux City, both of the Hard Rock, one inside, one outside. Uh, and then, like I said, Rust Belt and Moline, Quad Cities, if you're not familiar, and then the Jones County Fair. There's just something that's, uh, I don't know, just really enjoyable about being you know, up close and personal with a band like that. And then Woolies with Avatar, obviously. Yeah, that to me to say that going to a bigger venue isn't fun, because I mean I've I've got plenty of good stories about bigger (laughs) venues too. But it makes it more enjoyable because like you get to you get to meet new people easier. I feel like and everybody's kind of humped or like huddled together, so it's just more of a confined area so you talk to everybody. Yeah, so they have their benefits to each and every one. So I would definitely prefer to sit at a smaller venue and kind of stand with everybody the whole time. So, but most of my concerts have either been in the middle of a farm field or in a small venue. So I've only been to two decent sized venues. One was the Iowa state fair and then uh, Wells Fargo for Hank Williams jr. So, I mean, I don't have a lot of concert experience. Well, yeah, all, we, I tried to get you to go to Rob zombie. You did let the record show. The record has been shown. And also, I the, I remember the one concert I went to, which was outside, which was actually at where they do um, 
I think it was Inkfest or what um or it was one of your big it's in Council Bluffs. I'm trying to think of it. Um Oh, Riverfest. River Riot, yeah. Um yep. went to that to go see Machine Gun Kelly and I think I've talked about it before. Oh, that, Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly, good god. I will say it was not my choice. It was Definitely another person's choice, which was fine. I still enjoyed going with them at the time. Which is fine. It's fine. It's Everything's fine. fine. It's fine. I will still I will still say this. Absolutely hated it. The performance was not up to par. We stood in line for like four hours in the steaming hot. I'm also wearing freaking black jeans and a black, sh- like my fireball shirt, trying to look all punky and shit. And... Friggin' not the move. Definitely not the move. It was horrible. The jeans were sticking. The the whole time we were standing in line, kept moving forward small bits at a time. All the... So you were in line to get in for how long? I think we were in line for almost like two or three hours just to even get in. Oh, my God. God, because the why time were you there so early. We that was the problem. We weren't there that early. We were there for maybe like an well, hour before. It, oh, Dude, he, you mean from the time you got? I thought you meant you camped the doors two hours before. No, it see, I'm not a camp the door oh, kind of concert guy. I'm not. Yeah. I, I'll stay. I'll get in line at a decent time and do that. I'm not camping right at the front door like it's Black Friday with a tent and a backpack and a. George Foreman grill sitting there cooking food for everybody. No, I'll, I'll do my due diligence and sit in the middle of the line. Oh, man. Maybe towards That's the back because I know I'll still get a seat. I know I'll still or a stand or whatever the hell. I know there's going to be an open spot, so I'm good with getting there. Like an hour before. We get there. Freaking everybody's saying, oh, no, he pushed it back. And we're all like, what? And, like, the whole rumor went down the line of, we're going to be sitting here for, like, two or three more hours because Machine Gun Kelly's not coming on. And I'm like, oh, great, here we go. So it took us almost three hours to get into the damn freaking venue. I can't hit a fastball to save my life. And freaking, we get in, and we're getting drinks and whatnot, getting a little bit of food. We go down there. The show doesn't even start for another, like, almost hour. And I'm like... He was supposed mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm, coming. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be coming on, and Francisco Lindor with a bomb for the good old Sabers. That's a two-one ball game now. But we're sitting there, and the the opening act comes on. The opening act wasn't bad. The act between the opening act and the next act was, eh, definitely. <laughs> brought down the vibe of where I was at. The next act tried to bring it back up, did a fantastic job. I was enjoying every bit of that uh, third act. Do you remember any of these acts? No, absolutely absolutely not. (laughs) I was going to... Can't even... Dude, they were... That you were, like, trying to pump up. Oh, yeah. No idea who they are. Which, I I will say this. go to the cloud for this. Setless FM... Let's see. Machine... You just... Keep talking. I'm going to oh. see if I can find Machine Gun Kelly, who he was with. It was... What oh, year is year with this that? was in 22. 22. I think. Yeah, 22, 21. I don't know. Uh, when he was at River Riot, wherever that one is. But Working on it. I will say this. I'm, I'm proud for all you guys that are in the music industry coming up, doing what you do, performing as openers for people. Folks, your job is an opener. It's the same thing with an opening comedian. You got to test the waters. You got to do what 
this is. I understand some of y'all have vibes, and I understand that some of y'all's music is a lot different than how the, the performing artist might be. But, guys, you got to keep the entertainment up. I mean, the we had two acts that just completely dropped it off the bottom, and we were just like, oh, my God. And so I'm sure you guys have fans, and I'm sure you guys are still doing well for yourselves, which, congratulations, you're probably doing a little bit better than the two of us. But regardless. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're not wrong. Man, <laughs> throw us under the bus. <laughs> so, and then after that, he I think Machine Gun Kelly was supposed to come on at like 8 or 9. He didn't get on till 10. It took two mm. more hours. And half of I'm that. I'm surprised that wasn't a uh, late night curfew thing there. Oh, that it he, was uh, so bad. Oh, I don't even know because it was hotter than hell and everybody was pushing up in the line and this is what I will say like if you go to a bigger venue you better be ready to stand there for a while because if you sit in that pit you ain't getting out and if you get out you ain't getting back in for shit because people will be oh my friend's up there my friend's up there all your friends are 20 yards behind you waiting for you to start clearing a path you don't know shit up there you don't know anybody sitting up front we know what game you're pulling we're not as dumb as we look folks but anyways, you're a nice guy because you don't want to get hit by some random-ass dude, and you're just like, you're drunk, so, you're either intoxicated on some good old some grass. So what I'm seeing is September 10th of 2021, Machine Gun Kelly at the end of Summer Bash. Does that sound at the West Bear Amphitheater in Council Bluff? No. It was no. Well, that... It might have been 22 then. I have... Uh, unless it unless it was that I can't remember when it's it was. Not 22. We're back to 20. Okay, then it was 21. Then yeah, it was know. Westfair. Let's, was... Let's just see who he was. This <laughs> shows my wreck because like I couldn't remember when it was. This has been a traumatic. I feel like I'm digging up a traumatic <laughs> memory. <laughs> it wasn't that traumatic. So, oh. September 10th would have been Machine Gun Kelly. Oh geez, no wonder you don't remember any of this. Kenny Hoopla, KXDN, Carol's Daughter, Girlfriends, and the only thing I've heard of is uh, Dropout Kings. I think the Dropout Kings were my favorite because they were getting everybody up. Like they, I think if I remember right, one of, one of them had, one of the duos or groups had a guy with dreads, and he was going ham, and I was I mean, no up for it. no offense to you or anybody else, that went to this, but that sounds like the greatest collection of who the hell is that I have oh, ever yeah. seen. It was. Let's I'll run, run through it one more time. Dropout Kings, Girlfriends, Carol's Daughter, Jay, and Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> we'll throw it back to when Machine Gun was coming on. You got all these people going up, and everybody is sweating their nuts off. Like, everybody is – girls are, like, all drenched <laughs> in sweat. Makeup's running a little bit. You got all the people that move from the pit that are sitting in the back because they're hot as shit. Like, they're just trying to get cool and all this good stuff. And then, finally, 10 o'clock rolls around, and he gets started going. And he's got, like, his massive props on stage. Like, he's got all this stuff. And you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Did not think I was getting into something that was going to be, all right, well, this is, this just sucks. Oh, dude, 
just all of his stuff that was on the radio and everything like that, it does not sound good live, in my opinion. And also, this is my opinion. He played 29 songs that day. I got through 10. We got through 10 and left. We got through his, not even through his first half of the set. Mm. Like You missed my ex's best friend. Who can forget that classic? Oh my God, dude. I, 29 songs, I saw 10. And I'm not big on Machine Gun Kelly. Oh my gosh. Because of his whole thing with Slip, he wasn't that good to start with. But he tried to take on Slipknot, and I can't respect anybody that shit talks Slipknot. So, it, but like, yeah, this is actually pretty impressive because I don't know uh, other than um, my ex's best friend, which was a Black Bear song, Alien, alien Radio or whatever, or whatever song that is. I don't oh, even concert for aliens. Yeah. Got that one. Mm. Uh, and my Bloody Valentine was one that we heard because he opened up with those two. Or, like, that was one of the first couple that we heard. And I'm just uh, like, dude, I... Good old Machine Gun Kelly. Well, and then it was... Everybody was getting in, like, fights kind of halfway through that stuff. We had backed out. Like, personally, I was with her, both of us backed out and, like, kind of stood off because we were getting overheated. And so we stayed out, and we were still jamming, I guess, to whatever you can jam about with it. And then we start leaving. So we get through, and, like, she had her friends that were still there. She was trying to see if she could find them. I was just like, we got to go because we're not – if they're up front, I'm not getting back into this. Like, guys were pushing, shoving. Like, every tempers were flaring. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. And, like, I'm not a – I'm not a fighting type of person. Like, if you royally piss me off, I might throw a couple of hands, but I'm not going to fight you over the fact of you're shoving everybody else in line and I'm not going to be the quote-unquote bully that says, bro, back the fuck up. Like, not doing that. And so we're yeah. we leave. And then found out that that same night, I think it was that same night or like maybe a couple nights before, that was the Travis Scott concert incident. Oh, yeah. World. I remember that. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, we were just at a concert with a bunch of like, and you could tell there was some grass that was going around. Like you could smell it in the air. Like there was some, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff well, kind of naturally. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that was kind of cooking, cooking around. So I understand why if people were going to be pissy. And I think we did see like two or three paramedics come down to the front pick somebody else up from heat exhaustion or from whatever the hell was happening and drag them out. And so I'm like, all right, well, that seems somewhat n- like not saying that this is good, but I'm like, it seems kind of normal at this stuff. And then all of a sudden Travis Co- or Travis Scott's concert has a whole entire brigade of paramedics coming in and people are getting trampled on and all of this jazz. And I'm like, Oh my mm. God, I never, I don't even know if I want to go to a concert. Yet. <laughs> So here's my oh. story from good old uh, West Bear. Uh, RC and I went to Mudvayne, Power Man 5000, and Rob Zombie back-to-back days, once in Illinois and once in uh, good old West Bear. And it was August 6th, and it was hot as hell that oh. day. They, uh, the groups there were through fire, and then, of course, you have the classic Power Man 5000, Mudvayne, Rob Zombie, and Static X were there. So, yeah, not to say we had a better show, but we absolutely had a better show. Yeah. <laughs> better show. 
But yeah, it was hot as heck. Oh, because like brutal. But, my my yeah. limited amount of concert experiences, as How I said, how many concerts do you think you've been to, like all told? Oh boy, hold on here. I got to be able to count on the good old fingers. And man, I can't. I still can't hit a fastball. Save my life. Let me count here. <laughs> so this is going to be kind of sad because I'll list all these off. I went to Jake Owen, which was my first one. Been to Dustin Lynch twice, or Dustin Lynch solo. Um, and then he was opening for Cole Swindell. We only got through the opener of that because um, we only got through Dustin Lynch for that at the State Fair. We didn't get to see Cole Swindell. So technically just Dustin Lynch twice. Um, Kit Moore, who honestly still is one of my favorite concerts to go see just because I love Kit Moore. I love his music. Um, but just the person that he is and on stage, like it was just a really fun time. That was at the Washington County fair. Excuse me, back in Nebraska. That's like five. Um, went to a Luke Bryan concert. That was a shit show. Um, Hank Williams, Jr. Toby Keith, honestly, probably my favorite concert besides Hank Williams, Jr. Um, machine gun Kelly, I'm trying to think. I've been to two Frog Fests. Who was the other person that I saw at a Frog Fest? I can't. Uh, Dustin Lynch was that one. Yeah, I think I've been to in total like seven or eight concerts, and they've mostly all been country artists. I was gonna say I sense a pattern there. So oh, Luke yeah. Bryan, I'm really curious. <laughs> what was the what was the problem with Luke Bryan? Because my mom has uh, coaxed me into going to Luke Bryan here in the uh, beginning part of October. So here's the deal with Luke Bryan. I need a heads up of what disaster's coming my way. Uh, dr- probably a drunk 40-year-old man on stage. That's about all you got. Um, anyways, like I love, I like Luke Bryan's music. Like there are a few newer songs okay, that well, are like. Assuming that's not a problem, what? It, it's more or less his just stage presence. Like he's not the greatest on stage. Like he'll try to do it, but he's not the best. Like halfway through his set, like to kind of calm everybody down or at least kind of get like try to get a palate cleanser in there he started playing like a bunch of covers nobody knew him and like dude if you're gonna play covers like you gotta you gotta go like one of my favorite moments ever was Dustin Lynch the first time I saw him at Frogfest. he did blank 182 all the small things and like totally just fucking melted everybody's faces off like everybody was having fun like we did the mannequin challenge brought that back where there's videos of everybody just standing still and then totally just going all punk hipster and just bounced off the walls and so like Luke was more of he's fun but at the same time like I don't know I didn't have to go see Luke Bryan in concert you'll have fun still but like if he does halfway through and just starts putting up random ass songs that nobody knows it's just gonna take the vibe down and then he tried to pick it back up and it never really got back up so also Mm. it was colder than shit that night I'm wearing a long shirt and just a damn flannel and jeans because I'm like, well, I'm not wearing a whole entire coat and stuff because I'm going to be sitting in the middle of people. And um, that was, I ended up giving away my flannel. I'm staring there in just a long sleeve shirt, colder than shit. So that was fun. <laughs> For good reason to give away the, the flannel wow, shirt. Wow, you've but. been to seven concerts, and of the seven concerts you've been to, I think three or four of them are sounds like traumatic experiences. <laughs> Uh, they haven't I'm been that traumatic. You declined, yeah, I'm starting to see why you declined Rob Zombie back in August. <laughs> Rob Zombie, I would have probably enjoyed that more just because it was a... 
I do enjoy some yeah. Rob Zombie, but I'm. He was with Alice Cooper, so you're never wrong with some Cooper. No, you are not. And so that was definitely like one of those moments of just everything has been concert-wise. Nick has been dealing with whatever he can get his hands on, I guess. Traumatic so be, experiences. The, the experiences are definitely very kind of bleak for me on concerts. I've had a lot of good experiences, though. Oh, John Langston, throw that in there. That was my first concert at Woolies, actually. That one was a good one. He's a pretty decent mm. performer. I've seen a lot of good opening acts, so I can't complain too much about my concert going. Well, there you <sighs> go. You've, you've heard it here first. <laughs> Traumatic experiences, but totally it's all good. I've, I've never had a better time ever. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll still go to concerts, but it's just like I can go without seeing a couple more people. Like Machine Gun Kelly, never have to go see him again. Which I'm yeah, sorry, I feel dude, like but Machine like Gun oh. Kelly probably wasn't your your decision to go see. Definitely was not. Like I was still up for the up for going, but I was like, this is more for the other person that was wanting to go. Right. Like, they were excited. Yeah. I bought the tickets as like a gift. Like this was kind of going through that, and then all of a sudden, I was just like, I. The look on their face was priceless, <laughs> but just the whole well, and then they were tired of it too. Mm, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, this comes from a guy that can go to pretty much any kind of concert, and even like me, (sighs) Toy Machine Gun Kelly would be a hard, hard sell. Yeah. But, you know, that makes for a great story, so you've got that going for you. Well, yeah, definitely not the the most fun, but it'll, it'll go there. Why am I swinging at everything? Can somebody explain to me why I just never have? I've walked once in this game and gotten a ball to leave the yard and three hits on the board, but I just can't seem to freaking get a knock. So anyways, we can start to kind of our normalcy of the show where we usually go. I don't know what what one of the three sports we want to talk about first. Blue Jays. All right, we'll run it with the Blue Jays. Where are we got? How about... Them Blue Jays, baby, six to one in the Bronx. We've now won five in a row. You know, it's been a long time since I've been on this podcast. I feel like I say that like every other time. Um, <laughs> but if you were to talk to me like last week about it, I'm not feeling good. We just got thumped by Texas. We go into this weekend and hear from here on out. Look at a bit of a belch there. My apologies. Starting this last weekend with Boston, New York. Yeah, right. So you look at that. Boy, wait, it's not feeling it. Uh, You look at that. Boston's outside the playoff race. New York's outside the playoff race. And we play like crap in Tampa Bay. So you start checking off who you got to beat. You're hoping somebody. Three for three. Three for three in the last weekend against Boston. Three wins in a row. Feeling like, all right. One last night against uh, New York, big in the Bronx, which you were giving me grief about before we started the show, and here's the deal. The Blue Jays, for the majority of my life up until, like, a couple of years back, played like dog shit in the Bronx. Yeah, And, and I the can't Jays really did it again much. tonight. Kevin Gosman has now won 12 games. Six to one. We scored five runs in the last two innings. The Yankees are now three, count them, three games away from being eliminated in playoff contention. Jays hold a one-game lead uh, for the second wild card spot, and uh, 
Seattle and Texas are right there. It'll be a three-team race for two spots, and uh, it's by no means are we out of the woods. But, but it's looking it's, better. Expectations charts. Jays fans have had an absolute ride for the in basically the entire year, but like this last month has been like good, basically out of the playoffs, win six in a row, lose four in a row, win five in a row, been a ride. But at 85 and 67, one game lead over both Texas and Seattle, who, by the way, we hold tiebreakers with neither. So we have to hold our own destiny because any tiebreaker, we're screwed. Uh, finally, playing some good baseball. But, yeah. Well, you want to talk. Had to pass that along. I was going to say, you want to. Finally get it done. You want to talk about the inconsistency showing up. I'll give you a team of inconsistency who. How does he catch that on a line drive as a pitcher? Brother, I have not seen – short tangent here. Legit pisses me off to the core. In MLB The Show, I don't think I have ever seen more – or in just MLB in general, in baseball in general, all my years of playing, witnessing as a fan, all of this. I have never seen – I can count probably on an amount of – or like on my hand – the amount of times that I've legit popped up to the catcher, popped up on the infield. Anytime you hit a pop fly that's caught by the catcher, or like should be caught by the catcher, it is. It never goes foul over the net. Anytime you hit a pop fly on the infield that's going into foul territory, don't think anything of it. Just did it right here. Got jammed pop fly caught in the freaking out, or caught in, at first base. Just over. Doesn't flare off, doesn't nothing. Pisses me off. Fix your shit, the show. Anyways, team of inconsistency that was, what is going on? Hello? Did we drop? Hold on, we got an issue here. I'm trying to, did we drop? Uh Uh-oh, we got to fix this fast. We got to fix this ASAP, Rocky. Please hold, guys. We've been dealing with some connection issues on this show today. I don't know if we're going to get it. I don't know if we're going to get it back. We're going to have to maybe phone call real quick. We're trying. We're trying. We're trying. We'll give a phone call. We will give a phone call. Got to give give it up to the good old Jonathan Colvert. Give him a call. I'm getting Snapchats. We're going through. Oh, no. We got a, we got a Skype call audio. Hello. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're not connected to the Bluetooth. There we go. We got you. We're coming. We got it. All right. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Now we're back. You know, we were projecting (laughs) that to happen. It just happened a little sooner than anybody probably predicted. Oh. I just missed a call from you. Yeah. 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 Pick up the win. Uh, Looking at the wild card race. We'll start. Everybody's scores gone final, other than the Tigers Dodgers game and the Pirates Cubs. Cubs are down for it's the Pirates. You might come back, but we'll start in the AL. Uh, Baltimore and Tampa have clinched. No shock there. Uh, Houston leads by a game, actually, technically a half game now uh, in the West. Uh, Twins are going to win the Central by default. Uh, and then the Blue Jays 
Seattle and Texas are the wild card teams. You look at that race for the divisions, only two and a half separate the old uh, Orioles and Tampa. So there's a possibility. But the interesting thing is if the season ended today, it is a mini AL East gauntlet for somebody to get to oh. the ALCS. Because it would be Blue Jays, Rays, winner plays Baltimore, and then the winner of that would play in the ALCS. So you'd, you'd be tested big time for one of those three teams. Uh, twins are in pretty much any given second. They'll clinch because their division's terrible. And then you have a three-team race in the West, which will be very fascinating to see. Texas, Seattle, half game back of Houston, Atlanta, and the Dodgers have clinched in uh, the uh, NL side of things. Milwaukee kind of quiet under the radar as they've already pulled out to a six-and-a-half game lead over the Cubs, eight-game lead over the Reds. And, of course, for the wild card race there, as of right now, Philadelphia and Arizona, the top two. Arizona looked like they were dead in the water a couple weeks back as well. They played better. Cubs, Uh -uh. Marlins, and Reds all within a game and a half of each other. Somebody's going to get left out of that, and I hate to do this to you. but Yeah, I know where you're going. I don't don't know. We'll have to see, but the Diamondbacks aren't comfortable to me. I wouldn't be shocked to see Cincinnati flip, which is bad news for you because if Cincinnati flips, chances are it'd be Reds, Brewers in the first round, which would be electric. And then the uh, Diamondbacks and Phillies. By the way, the AL matchups, Jays, Rays, and then either Seattle or Texas would go to Minnesota. And Minnesota would uh, politely get dumped out of the first round. And then the winner of that would be a team against uh, a division opponent there. It would be two teams in the West versus two teams in the East. The winner of those would play for a World Series berth. Well. And I'll go. I'll go. Even the Giants, even the Giants in the NL, you know, got to throw them out there at 500. But I don't know. It just feels like right now it's Reds, Cubs, and Marlins, and Diamondbacks. Those four are going to duke it out for the final two spots. Well, and here's where I'll go with this. So, like when I saw the Cubs back in um, July, like saw the Cubs beat the Braves was stoked. My uncle was chanting, we're going to win. We'll be in the World Series. We're winning it this year. Beers were hat. Beers were hat. Mm, That's mighty optimistic. We were, our playoff chances were extremely high. Like, I just gave up another home run. Good for me. Looking like Pirates have scored in the top of the ninth, by the way. Now 12-7. to They have the bases loaded and one out. In Chicago. What's going on with the Cubs? That's where I'm getting to here. So we have a hot streak of we. It seemed like the Cubs weren't going to lose, like the or well, lose as much. All of a sudden, that really just kind of hit the bed. Let's let's take a look at where that really. I mean, it just it broke down. Here's the thing: whatever you're about to say, you won't get any sympathy here because that's what Toronto's looked like for the last two months. Oh, I have no intention of. having sympathy. I'm a Husker fan. Like we sympathy is thrown out the window by everybody with us. So I know where that wow, you're, getting, you're getting to that early. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that later. Maybe we'll see, <laughs> but 
then all of a sudden, teams in the NL start kind of heating up a little bit. We go to teams like Arizona, who I felt incredibly confident in. Arizona's heating up. They've got a young, potent lineup. Their pitching staff has been throwing very, very well. The Rockies, I thought we were going to be pounding the Rockies. No, that decided to just say, the Reds, we... The Reds, we tied the series with. Brewers, we take a series from. Pirates, we take a series. And then all of a sudden, everything just starts going to shit. So here begs the question. Was this statement accurate before? And I think it was. My statement would be, it was the Cubs wild card to lose once they started really heating up. Because if anybody knows the Cubs, and I've had to explain this to a person, I explained it today. The curse of the GOAT is still alive. Here's the thing, and I know you were all pumped up after the series win, and I'm not saying delusion exactly, but it was way too early to say it was your spot to lose. I mean, there were several teams. Phillies are one. Arizona is dodgy, but, like, they seem to be one. Cincinnati's miles better than they were last year. The Marlins are hanging around. The Giants somehow are still technically in the discussion. There's just there were too many teams in the NL to be like this is the Cubs to lose because the margin from the top wild card all the way down to like three or four teams out of the wild card now is seven games from the uh, Flyers, Fun Sport, uh, Philadelphia Phillies all the way. I'm ready for hockey, man. Yeah, I am, he is. I'm ready. Anyway, uh, from Philadelphia to San Francisco is now seven games, but that six team gap at one point was like two games. Like two games in July, in August, is way too close to be saying it's your time. I mean, if I was a Cubs fan coming off the high of playing as well as you did against the Braves, I'd be psyched too. Well, I'm just saying it was more of some gigantic leap. No, but at the same time, though, like that – that second wild card spot, or even the NL said, like the whole list of the idea was the Cubs were on the on track to start really making that run against the Brewers, close that gap for the NL Central, which they definitely did. Especially winning a series against Milwaukee helps. That gave us a big edge and started really push pushing us forward. Everybody was sitting there thinking, but now and even last night, this is the biggest kicker. Last night, the Cubs shelled the Pirates. Shelled Pittsburgh. 13-7. Oh, great. That's a score Top for tonight's nine, game. Bases, bases jammed, two outs, 13-7. Pirates are leading the Cubs in Chicago. The bleeding can't stop. The bleeding won't stop. Pirates with a seven-run fourth inning tonight. Well, I'm gonna get, I might get ten runs here in this game, too, so the bleeding hasn't stopped either. <laughs> the, MLB I, can show, or the MLB show woes continue. But... Throwing it to last night, 14-1 against Pittsburgh at home. Canario hits a grand slam for his opening debut of the Cubs. Like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going right. Steele is potentially on a Cy Young season. He's, I believe, leading in Cy Young rankings for the National League, which is fantastic. Steele has pitched great this year. Bellinger could not have been better for us, really starting kind of coming in the middle of the season. Danzig Swanson, Nico Horner. I mean, you go down this lineup – Candelaria, biggest pickup we got because that really started the hot streak and kept it going, especially against Atlanta. Candelaria had a couple of great defensive plays and then hit a bomb as well, a couple of big doubles that gave um, some RBIs home. I mean, we have had a lineup to win. Bullpen-wise, we've been lacking a little bit, and I'll give that. But still, it's now kind of gotten to that point to where 
who's really going to start kind of coming away with this NL wild card. And I don't think anybody's going to come away with it, like start boat racing everybody. But at what point does the gap kind of start just getting a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger? And it's it's looking like it may or may not. I don't know. So, so for those keeping score, Cubs tiebreakers uh, got a they won the series this year against the Giants five one. D backs pounded the Cubs six one. Phillies five one. Marlins four two. So you hold tiebreakers only against the Giants. Yeah. Compare that to Cincinnati, who holds tiebreakers over the Cubs, Diamondbacks, push with the Marlins, Brewers, they got smoked by, but that's neither here nor there. Giants, Phillies hold the tiebreaker. And then if you look at the Diamondbacks, who interestingly kind of not one team that really has a chokehold, unless you're the Giants. Uh, Diamondbacks split with the Giants with one to go. Uh, don't have the Marlins, don't have the Phillies, don't have the Reds, but have the Brewers and Cubs. Here's an interesting one. Giants, Diamondbacks, Phillies, Reds, Brewers, they hold tiebreakers. The Marlins, they do hold the tiebreaker. The Cubs, the only one the Giants don't hold the tiebreaker against. And for those Cubs fans, don't feel bad. Here's what the Blue Jays have done. A whole lot of nothing. They don't hold the tiebreaker against the Rangers. They've lost six of seven. They don't hold the – well, they could hold the tiebreaker against the Rays, not that it'll matter. 3-10 and 10 against Baltimore. The interdivision record's bad, so the Mariners hold our tiebreaker. Astros is the only team we hold the tiebreaker against. So, which could come into play. But if it's the Mariners or Rangers, bad. I still think game 163 should have not been dropped. but I – I agree with that 100%. One of my fondest memories, but still heartbreaking memories of being a baseball fan, was watching the Cubs lose game 163, but getting to play in the wild card the next day. They could have been, or like the next game, could have been a division winner. Could have won the division, but no. And then we get dropped out of the wild card. So, I mean, the 163 game getting dropped, to me, and it's that was just, back when the wild card was the thriller of a one-game winner-take-all. Yeah. Instead of the three-game series like it is now. Which, honestly, I do kind of like the three-game series. But at the same time, the one-game thriller of just winning the wild card and moving on and then getting to your – like, starting to have to work through that, absolutely, it's, I miss it 100%. It's interesting in that the, home, the higher seed hosts all three, which is kind of meh, if I'm being honest. But I also yeah. have the fond memories of the Edwin Encarnacion bomb in the wild card at home against Baltimore yep. back in 2016, I think. The so sh- I'm a little biased. The Schwarberg hero- er, heroics in the wild cards for the Cubs. and <sighs> Well, postseason baseball is getting down to the wire, folks. October is knocking on everybody's door. And postseason baseball, one of the best times to be a baseball fan is coming up. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am for it. I love postseason baseball is just a whole different animal. Excuse me. No, you're not friendly, Quentin. No, I'll take the L however I can get it. By the way, we lost in that game. I got 10 run to 11-1. <laughs> 
Cubs are working on it too. Still 13-7. That game goes to the bottom of the ninth. Little came in and said, get the boys off the field. Time to put the uh, the bat in the hands and see if he can score six. Count them. Six runs to tie. Seven runs to walk it off with Hap, Bellinger, and Swanson, who combined for four for 12 in the game today. I like that. I like that starting lineup there. I like that start. That's a great, great way to start three it off. Three bombs, three nukes, and you're still down by three. Well, you know, it's it's okay. I don't think we'll get all three uh, nukes, but no. we'll – Crazier stuff has happened at Wrigley Field when the Cubs have been behind. I will say it. So I don't count the Cubs out yet. It's a lot of optimism, but, you know, you're entitled to it. And uh, speaking of a sport that, you know, some people have optimism in, Others have had their season shattered in just two short weeks. So it's good a time. To, we'll, we'll update you on the final score. Don't worry. Not that, you know, if one, by the time you're listening to this, you're already going to know that the uh, Pirates have won 13-8. to eight. But uh, that's right. We're sliding a prediction in the middle of this episode. We're going to talk some NFL. I think the Cubs get one back, but that's all. NFL season is officially here. Oh, yeah. NFL season is already two weeks in. And the Chicago Bears are already staring down the barrel of a fantastically abysmal 0-2 start. Yeah. We're not the only 0-2 team, but we might be the most inept 0-2 team. Uh... I think here's the hot take. Here's the hot take of the day for you. All right. I think we are worse than the Arizona Cardinals. Whoa. Arizona's not good. But Arizona has, you know, blew a game against the Giants. Like, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know how you blow that game. The Bears haven't been close at all. Have not been close at all. Of course, the Cardinals up 28 to whatever against the Giants end up blowing it. Lose 31-28. But the Bears have been so bad. And, you know, I'm not a huge NFL person. I like to make predictions like the next guy that absolutely are incorrect. But like everybody. All offseason. All offseason. All Twitter was showing as Bears fans and their optimism. Justin Fields is going to. He's going to progress. He's got the weapons around him that he hasn't had. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Week one, you go against Jordan Love. (laughs) The Packers in your own building. In the best. You get ass blasted. In the defense. You get ass blasted by a freaking backup quarterback for Green Bay. In his, you're in the Bears' defense. In there was, our own home. You guys in our had. home stadium that we were favored to win, by the way. Granted, it was one or two points. How do you get freaking steamrolled in your own place? Um, one, Justin Fields has to run for his life. Two, the curse of Aaron Rodgers still exists. I mean, you you now have to not deal with Aaron Rodgers, but you still have to deal with the fact that you got to call the Packers daddy for another year. I don't know year. how many times. I don't know how many times 
I'm going to have to tell people, it's not the curse of Aaron Rodgers. There was this great quarterback back in the 90s and back in the 2000s that was pounding the shit out of us before Aaron Rodgers. I am so sick of this. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest Green Bay quarterback of all time because he's not. I've had this conversation on this podcast before. Aaron Rodgers followed a guy that started 20 years of dominance. We looked it up. The Bears have won. Uh, I I can't. I'm, I'm gonna have to relook it up here while we're doing this. But Hold on, going I gotta back pause. To 1993. You can keep going. going sorry. Going back to 1993, the Bears have been dominated by Green Bay. You know who was playing quarterback in 1993? Oh, wait what? for it. Brett Favre. You Good know who Lord. has just done nothing but sheer dominance against the Chicago Bears since 1993. Well, here you go. It's the freaking Favre and Rodgers. All I try to figure out, oh, here we go. That, the money. Oh my gosh, Nick, why are you swinging? Can we like focus so, hey, here? Okay. Good Lord. Okay. Not you. No, not you. Sorry. That was talking to me. I'm like, I'm trying to bump myself up. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. So, starting Sunday, <sighs> November 22nd, 1992. Since then, the Bears have won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fourteen times. Let me say that again. Since November 22nd, 1992, the Bears have won 14 times. Ouch. 1992 to 2023. Oh, by the way, they've lost their last nine in the series and have looked terrible in almost all of them. You want to go back even further, they've lost three, five, six, nine... Oh, my. You know, the last 15. You want to go back further than that? Uh, 18 of the last, what would that be, 14 of 15. So 18 of 20, I guess. And, yeah, 18 of 20 they've lost. You want to go back further than that? You get the point. So it's a lot of, of L's. This, and I'm not saying Aaron I'm I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers isn't good or wasn't good on Green Bay. But this whole narrative of Aaron Rodgers was the one that had the dominance. He walked into He walked into the uh, dominance whole, already. I think it was already the dominance had been set for twenty freaking years already. Oh, that was fifteen at least. And so you look at those 14 wins. There's a span from September of 2004 to, and we're talking a million years ago, from uh, December of 2008 where the Bears won three, six, seven of ten. So half of their wins came in a four-year span, give or take. So if you take that, And you look at their last win was 2018. Like, the dominance hasn't been there. And then, you know, I have to throw this in there as well. 
So these great Green Bay Packers fans have these great quarterbacks, right? Correct. From 1992, you've lost 14 times to the Bears. How many titles? I'm not talking division titles. I'm talking titles that matter. How many titles have the Green Bay Packers won since 1992? Two. 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 Count you have two. two of the quote-unquote legendary quarterbacks of all time. How many titles do you get? Two. How many times do you get in the playoffs and choke the teams you shouldn't lose to? Many. More than two. Very many is the key word. So, you know, you and your Aaron Rodgers crap. Oh. And again, I'm not saying he doesn't own us. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that the dominance didn't start with him. Oh, I'm not saying he it already, did either. He already had the nest made for him, man. All he had to do was sit on the eggs. That's all he had to do. Favre built the nest. Favre protected the eggs from 1993, 92, till wherever the hell he decided to leave Green Bay and go pursue some other. Well, he he, he, he went to go pursue the Jets. And Rodgers just showed up. Oh, well, I wouldn't say showed and up. So, he came yeah, in now, from California. Anyway, so my, my whole thing was <laughs> uh, the justification won't matter to me. My thing is, and it's been this way for a long time, and, you know, Packers fans like to get all cranky about it, and that's fine. This year was supposed to be a dawning of a new era. Justin Fields takes the field, and in in his home opener against the Green Bay Packers, starts to try to fix this, I I wouldn't even call it a curse, because the Bears are so bad. Like, the Bears haven't been relevant realistically since 06. They made a Super Bowl. That era, they were okay. It's been a while. And then they won a division title in like 2010 and 2018, 2017, but double doinked out of the playoffs. Oh, the double doinker. Field was supposed to come in and do that. I didn't watch the game because, like I said, pro football, excuse me, it's hit or miss. 38 to 14 is the first score I see of the Bears' season. And let me tell you, brother, we're not the 38. No, the, no, no, no. The Bears get... Right? But then you go to week two. They're like, ah, oh, Tampa Bay, okay. We go down to Tampa. They want to pick up a fat W. No. No. We can't, we can't even manage that. 27-17, 10-point loss, but it's Tampa, a team you absolutely should have had a shot at. And it's another fantastic opportunity to show how we just are inept. I don't know. And then today we have the news. I think it's the defensive coordinator resigned or was told to resign. I don't know. I haven't read the details on it because I wasn't invested to begin with. And they're absolutely awful. Well, so I'm, I, I, it's, this might be a new record for how quick I check out of this, too. Well, I was going to say, you guys have the – this is the biggest thing that the Bears' issues have that I have seen because I watched game one. I watched we game one of the season. We this week, dude. Yep. We are not going to win this week. Nope. You ain't. But here's where I'm going so, to give you, I'm I'm gonna gonna give you the... some, some tips on this there. One, firing your defensive coordinator was probably good. Now you just need to actually get somebody to work with your line. The offense does even less than the defense does. You got to start somewhere, man. Just, just 
what are you just going to do? Just fire everybody periodically throughout the year? Because that's what it's going to take. I mean, hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Holy shit. I finally opened the fucking door in this office and cool air is coming in. Dude, I've been sweating like a grease pig. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, well, dumbest idea good. Nick could have ever had. But anyways, like the biggest thing that I saw in wow. game one was you had a team that was riding the high of, like you said, new season, new new way to get into this. Like, we're going to get get her moving, get her going. It started off decent. First drive was good for the Bears. Well, then it it, it went downhill. And then all of a sudden, here come the Packers. Jordan Love kind of comes in. And everybody was not really high on Jordan Love either. And granted, I will say this. Jordan Love has not played great. Has he played good? Yeah. Has he played good enough? Yeah. Does he still have a lot of kinks to work out? Oh, absolutely. But it's his first full season. Still, though, the way that the Packers started playing, the Bears should have absolutely mollywopped and ran. The way that Jordan Love and the Packers played against Atlanta... What in the um, shit storm was that? I don't even know what's going on back there. But the way that Jordan Love played Atlanta was a totally different story. And so now it's kind of looking like where are the Packers going to kind of go from here? Or like where is Jordan Love going to go from here? Is it going to start going up? Like is it start? Is it going to really kind of start being his breakout? There's a lot of and questions here- to be answered. And here is one thing that is so stereotypical of the NFC North. Half of the division hasn't won a game yet. No. So there's a distinct possibility that Green Bay could play well enough, and they've done it more often than not, to get to the playoffs with an NFC North title. And then they'll get... I just threw a ball. I don't know who... We'll get into who's doing what. But here's here's the Bears. The Bears' schedule goes in Kansas City, hosting Denver, at Washington, hosting Minnesota, hosting the Raiders, at L.A. Chargers, at Saints, host Carolina, and then at Detroit. So really, like, there's not one of those games that jumps off as hyper-winnable. Which is incredibly sad to say. Kansas City, despite the offensive eh that they kind of have going, they'll figure out a way. Denver, who I'm not sure how you antagonize your fans more than you did against Washington this weekend. Uh, You do that. Shocking a bomb, getting it, and then failing the two-point try. I'm not convinced we can beat Wa- or uh, beat the Broncos. I'm not convinced we can beat the Commanders. Minnesota's always hit or miss. The Raiders we should beat, maybe. I, I, I don't know. But you look at the schedule. Watson doesn't look like the guy. But then you start running out of teams. There's the Cardinals on Christmas Eve. Maybe we can get ourselves a Christmas miracle and <laughs> – Beat Arizona. Maybe it'll be the weather will be so bad in Chicago on the twenty fourth that Arizona, being a dome team from the uh, Southwest, 
will just not know how to play in cold weather. Well, so there's two there's two wins, but outside of that, I mean, maybe Carolina. I'd say maybe the Saints, but that feels just delusional to say out loud. Like there's there's not a lot of games that you can go like. The winnable games are tough on your schedule, to say the least. Tampa should have been one of them, and we looked terrible in that game, too. I'm going to say, though, Tampa has looked pretty decent, though, with Baker at the helm. Evans is getting touches now. Godwin's doing good. Like I think Tampa's kind of on a little bit of a help after the Tom Brady uh, flop of last season. Yeah, so... (laughs) <laughs> They're at Kansas City uh, this coming weekend. Your Broncos, uh, well, they're doing what they do. They find ways to uh, lose football games, that and including do. this weekend that perhaps was the most, one of the more uh, agonizing losses I think you've suffered in a while, I'd have to say. Well, depends you on what You go for the Hail Mary and get it. I'm talking about the Denver Broncos. We'll oh, get no, to your I, Nebraska I team still, soon enough. I know, but still, agonizing losses for me, that's a that's a boatload, so you're going to have to well, really... I guess both of them are. I guess both of them are, because I forgot uh, the Raiders was a one-point loss. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, our teams are at the same destination so far of Ofer, but are so very different in how they look doing it. Denver feels like... Denver, Cincinnati, maybe Minnesota are 0-2 teams that could turn it around. Now, knowing you and knowing your teams and knowing one possession games to start the year, you're over 2 Like it's been for Nebraska, where you play like of your 17 games you play, 12 of them are in one-possession games, and you lose, you know, 10 of the 12 one-possession games. Hopefully it's not one of those. But at least Denver seems, like, almost competent compared to last year or a couple of years ago where they were just laughably bad with, uh, what's his name, Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. At least this year they seem like they're, like, around it, if you will. Sean Payton has the team going in the right direction, in my opinion. I've talked to multiple Bronco fans about this that I know. We're excited to see where this goes. Russ has looked much, much better than where he was with Nathaniel Hackett. Like, Russ has looked outstanding compared to where he was last year. Is he still good? That's the struggle bus is... We're still struggling a little bit on offense. He's being able to use his weapons. Jerry Judy just got back last week, able to play a full game in pads. Defense is still the same Denver defense, except for when, you know, you give up a 21-3 lead against the Washington Commanders, which was not good. We just got to fix the small mistakes. Den- like, And that's where a lot of teams' issues are. But like you said, Denver could be a team that could flip it around from an 0-2 start. I 100% agree. Do they make a playoff this year with Sean Payton? I don't think they make a full playoff. Do they get close? What is going What, Dude, are you, like, trying to do a demolition project in the background, or what? what is going on? Are you talking to me? Yeah, bro. It sounds like you're trying to freaking. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just sitting here and living the dream, dude. 
What the hell was that noise? I think your uh, internet. I think your uh, internet may be uh, acting up again. I don't know, because I I keep hearing like a bunch of shit dropping. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's not good because <laughs> it's uh, not dropping anything over here oh, yet. Wonderful, excellent. But yeah, the Broncos are a team that could definitely <laughs> flip around a two and zero start. Other teams that could flip around a two and zero start. You oh, mentioned- and the Chargers could be on that list too. I didn't notice uh, L.A. not San Diego at zero and two as well. That is a team that I think has shocked everybody because you look at this Chargers team. It's not a team that should be there. They were a playoff team last year, and this is the funny thing. A lot of major playoff teams, dude, I can't fucking hit again. A lot of major playoff teams have suffered losses and suffered 0-2 starts, two of which being the Vikings and the Chargers. Austin Eckler being out last week didn't really help the Chargers. Austin Eckler just being back in week one was still good, but didn't really help the Chargers. They're hoping to kind of get him back to 100% healthy, get him rolling. The Vikings, on the other hand, to me, is a team that is shocking as an 0-2 start because the way that Kirk Cousins has been playing – the way that the Vikings have been clicking on offense, that's tough. Defensively, the Vikings are still the Vikings. They'll give up points, whatever. But Kirk Cousins has looked very, very well so far going up in the first two games of the year. And then I'm just swinging like five milliseconds late. I, dude, I can't. And you're hearing and you're hearing stuff being dropped over here. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm tough, str- uh, the struggle is real. It's bad. Teams that are and then the Bears obviously zero and two. Carolina zero and two. That one's kind of there. The Cardinals is zero and two. That one I think everybody is noticing that the Cardinals, even if Kyler Murray was back there, is just that's a bad team. Like it's just the Cardinals are not that good. And by not that good, I mean just not good. The Patriots. Bill Belichick still suffering the Tom Brady debacle after the leave, even though you still had Mac Jones who took over, who was doing very well, taking kind of over the the helm. And then you get the Cincinnati Bengals at 0-2. Joe Burrow signs a massive $270 million contract and in two games comes out and looks like he's a rookie taking, taking snaps for the first time. Granted, it doesn't help that the Bengals line still is not successful. He's not not able to get time, but still not having as many throwing yards as usual. Getting benched in the second or in the fourth quarter with eight minutes left to go after you pull a two hundred and seventy million dollar deal. The two and o, or the zero and two teams this year are shocking, but at the same time, exposed, very exposed. So, it'll be interesting to see who really flips it around. Teams that kind of shocked me to actually start as hot as they did. Baltimore, starting off with their 2-0 start. That was a little interesting, considering the fact of the risky play from Lamar Jackson in Week 1. The Miami Dolphins have come out red hot. Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, all those guys. Mostert as a running back for the Dolphins. If you can't, if you can find a way to pick him up in fantasy, I would. If you don't have him, then pray because that man will run through you. Miami defense collecting turnovers, doing what they do best, being the Miami Dolphins on the defensive side of the ball. Now, going down the list, Jags start one and one. The Chiefs game was tough. Starting off the win or starting off the year with a win, that was good for the Jags. The Raiders starting off with the Broncos. 
You got the NFC, which used to be the least. You have three 2-0 teams. The Commanders, who aren't that good. But the Commanders start off 2-0. Then you go to Philly, who had a little bit of a struggle, kind of in week one, but have picked up pace since then. And then you get to the Dallas Cowboys. I've seen statements saying that this Dallas Cowboys team has looked better than any Cowboys team in the last 20 years. I've seen things say that the Dallas Cowboys are about to steamroll. This Cowboys defense looks just absolutely dominant. Tony Pollard running the ball in his first full season without having Ezekiel Elliott with him is looking very strong. So it's kind of scary to see where the Cowboys are going with this. Excuse me as I take a sip. The Giants. Giants, you guys need to pick it up. That's boof. Woof. Packers, we talked about Jordan Love and the Falcons and the Bears. It'll be interesting to see if he can kind of keep his momentum. The Lions looking a lot stronger than the Lions have. They started off with a one and one or a one and one start. Then you had the Vikings going 0 and 2, Bears 0 and 2. Falcons, Desmond Ritter and the boys getting it done. Bijan Robinson, rookie running back out of Texas, having a tremendous two first starts of the season so far, getting used in the passing game and as well as the run game. And I mean, I thought this was a good pick when the Cardinals got him originally. Because Bijan back at Texas was a freight train. I mean, he has the speed, but he's got the power. He'll run you over. He'll make plays. Bijan's a good running back to have. The Saints start off 2-0. The Bucks are 2-0. Carolina 0-2. Last team on the board that is 2-0 that everybody has been excited to see what happens because you got Garoppolo going to the Raiders. Trey Lance back up for Dak. Who's left none other than the Purdy Bird himself? And they really have not skipped a beat. Defense a little bit in game one, skipped or defense has skipped a beat in, or in last week. But Brock Purdy in this offense, you got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk outside, George Kittle's back after having his little groin injury. Christian McCaffrey seems healthy, running like no other. I mean, this offense is electric. The defense, best defense in the NFL last year, playing to somewhat of the same standard this year. I mean, this 49ers team is putting everything kind of in pace for a Super Bowl run, in my opinion, with the two-year quarterback. Yeah, they certainly have been solid. And you look at them defensively, I mean, only Dallas has uh, been better in points allowed, although to be fair to everybody Dallas has played the Giants and Jets, and the uh, Giants didn't bother scoring at all. So the number's a little inflated. It's a a little inflated. You look at a team like the Chargers, 58 points in two games, and you lose both. That's brutal. 58 points scored more is Dolphins. And you go on both sides, Eagles 59, Dallas 70, Green Bay uh, 62, 38 of those came against the Bears. So take that for what it's worth. But, like, certainly the Chargers 
a team that has the potential to turn around. Highlights for this week. Uh, you start out with Thursday night football on Prime Video. Giants at the 49ers. 49ers should probably be 3-0 by the uh, end of the week. Ravens 2-0 get the Colts. Browns and Titans both 1-1. One one. Falcons go to Detroit. They're 2-0 record on the line. Saints 2-0 head to Green Bay. Texans still in search of that first win, head to Jacksonville. Uh, the 2-0 Dolphins put that record on the line against the Broncos. Chargers and Vikings, somebody has to win. They're both 0-2. Patriots go to the Jets trying to pick up a uh, division win, of which they haven't so far. Uh, Bills are at the Commanders, who are 2-0. Panthers, Arizona, Cowboys undefeated. The Bears, we talked about, it gets Kansas City. Chiefs should have an easy one there on paper. Maybe the Bears rip and get them, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Raiders and Steelers Sunday night game. The two Monday night games, Eagles at the Bucks. A couple of 2-0 and teams do battle. The Bengals trying to get that win as they take on the Rams. That's the second upcoming Monday night football game. Are there any games okay. on this list that really kind of – poke your that tickle your fancy there of what you would call game of the week or like because I mean I'm looking at the schedule and I'm seeing obviously Thursday night I'll say this if the Niners lose to the Giants questions will be asked concerns will be brought up and that'll just be a total cluster by the end of it going down the rest of the list here I mean I'm I'm kind of just looking at at teams and how this is going to go I mean I think the Vikings and Chargers game is, excuse me, I think the Vikings and Chargers will be super, super entertaining just to see both these teams, like we talked about, should be able to bounce back from an 0-2 start. Both these teams have very impressive offensive weapons. I mean, it should be a good battle throughout. So I think I think that one will be the game that I'm most focused on for that. I think the Eagles and the Bucks should be pretty good to see where the Bucks really sit against facing a, a pretty good, solid Eagles defense, but at the same time, how are they going to be able to contain um, the Eagles offense, who really kind of, I'm going to say it, I mean, Jalen Hurts has still looked good, but I mean, the Eagles offense is a little bit a little bit tender, it looks like. I mean, Dallas Goddard's coming back. Um, he got used last week a little bit by, by Hurts. A.J. Brown last week got shut down, and that was something we weren't, that I didn't think we'd see much of, is A.J. Brown was begging for the ball, so... That should be interesting. The one team that I'm really kind of excited to watch, though, I watched them in the last Monday night game against Cleveland and Deshaun, the Steelers. And here's my reasoning for that. One, I was high on this kid when they got him out of the draft. I was high on this kid before he even came to the draft at Pitt. Kenny Pickens. He's really kind of starting to heat up, fit his form, fit his fancy. I mean, he's looking pretty decent at Pitt. Then you start actually seeing what he can do when he targets George Pickens or George Pickett. And that offense and how that can actually run and build off of it. It works great when you can actually do what you do. The only thing is, can Pitt actually now establish a run game? Because Najee Harris has been shut down and been one of the biggest fantasy busts of the year. I mean, I've had him. I've had him. There's a potential chance that I drop him if they can't figure out how to use him at the run game. And that's sad to say. Najee Harris was a fantastic running back at Alabama, but, I mean, when you're running against 
five seconds of time as soon as you get the ball, like, I mean, you're you're screwed. So it'll be interesting to see how they do so against, two, against the Raiders. So my two games to keep an eye on actually involve two teams that are winless, Ooh. believe it or not. But it, it has to do – one is one of the 0-2 teams. The other has to do with the 2-0 and team. Keep an eye on Dallas-Arizona. Dallas has come out white hot. They haven't played anybody. And not to say Arizona is somebody because they've been, eh. Arizona periodically has that ability to beat Dallas. I I can't remember. It's been a number of years ago. They played a late December game where Dallas was better than they were in Arizona, and Dallas lost. This game kind of – this should be – You've got a the, little, little bit of an upset vibe. I, I don't see. want to say like over it. at halftime because it's uh, – I don't want to say it's, you know, over at halftime because it's pro football and that's not likely. But this game should be over heading into the fourth quarter. Keep an eye on this one just because Arizona, granted it was the Giants who looked awful against Dallas, did look pretty, you know, decent, got up pretty big, blew it, of course. Obviously. But that's one way, one game to watch out for. And then the secondary Monday night game. I like how we're both targeting a Monday night game. Rams and Bengals. How far can the Bengals fall? You've got to pick up a win at some point. And that's one thing I'll piggyback on your Chargers-Vikings game of the week, one of the games to watch out for. 0-2 is recoverable. 0-3, while technically is recoverable, you got to win a lot, a lot down the stretch. You got to make a Somebody lot of Somebody in that game is going to be 0-3 at the end of the week. And 0-3, especially when you look at the divisions, especially in the case being a couple games behind Green Bay and or Detroit, depending on what happens, not a strong spot to be in. And if you're the uh, Chargers being a game or two behind Kansas City this early, if you lose, would be two because the Chiefs are going to bury Chicago. Um, isn't a favorable spot to be in. So that's one thing up there. But Cincinnati, at some point, you've got to turn that corner. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can do that Monday night against the Rams. So there you go. A couple of games that I might be the only person in America that finds those two interesting. But, you know, obviously the 2-0 and versus 2-0 and game, Bucks and Eagles is interesting. But that's a couple to watch out for. And you can make even a little bit of an argument for Patriots-Jets because of uh, the Patriots really needing to pick up a division win as uh, they got uh, beat last week by the good old Miami football Dolphins. But I think those are the two uh, main games to try to keep an eye on there. The question, of course, in that Patriots-Jets game is how far uh, the Aaron Rodgers being Dunsky for the year four snaps into the game. That And see, that was the biggest thing that I think everybody wanted to like really see where they were going to go. And one, like you said, at the Cowboys, coming in against the Giants and the Jets as your first two teams to play for the season with as dominant as they've looked. Granted, yes, there is a lot of hype around it. There's a lot of hype surrounding it. But still, it's 
the Cowboys are a good team regardless. Like, I think we all hear what goes on with the Cowboys. Everybody sees it. It's always the talk of the town, whatnot, whatever. But you look at the Jets picking up Aaron Rodgers, getting knocked down. Then you take – there's the train. I hear that. If you don't hear that, then I'm psychotic. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a train <laughs> rolling. Okay. I was going to say, I'm like, dude, if I if I – get told you're not hearing a train, I'm going to go <laughs> to a doctor tomorrow. I should have been like, yeah, there's, there's no train. Oh, I would have freaked. But no, the Jets losing Aaron Rodgers and then Zach Wilson coming in and doing what Zach Wilson did in game one was exciting to see just for not only his confidence, but also to see what kind of player that he was back at BYU and to see where he could still be potentially for the Jets. Now you got to be able to get the running game thrown back in here. You really have to be able to see where the Jets can go with this. So I think that should be an interesting game to see which which team kind of prevails on how how they win that game. So is it going to be a defensive battle? Is it going to be somebody kind of pulls away with it? I don't know, but I think there's a lot of questions to be asked in that one. I can't fucking hit today. When can I ever hit when I'm on this show? But seriously. The oh. woes continue. That they do, and, and still got uh, it. swing and a miss. Nope, not even swing and a miss. <laughs> I'm uh, not that good. Well, you hate to hear it, and uh, we'll we'll briefly touch on this sport that's in its playoffs right now. I didn't know they played playoffs in you know good old September, but nonetheless, here we are. The WNBA has wrapped up its first round. Shout out to this podcast for talking about this. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the sun, I had to throw a little shade. Yeah, I mean, anyway. Yeah, anyway. Uh, sun get it done against the Lynx, 75. Uh, Lynx needed a tie type series. Otherwise, these series have been not close. The Aces, Las Vegas Aces, for those not familiar, Took care of the sky in two games, 92-70 to 70 and 87-59, both not close. The Liberty, who really looked good throughout the uh, regular season, including beating the Aces, uh, took care of the Mystics, 90-75, 90-85 in overtime. Yesterday, they sweep. Dallas is into the semifinals for the first time in team history, 94-82 against the Dream. 101-74 against the Dream. Wings in this game, believe it or not, had seven, yeah, seven players go for double-figure scoring. Damn. So they really had it going on. Uh, so this sets up the semifinals of Connecticut Sun taking on the New York Liberty in a five-game series. Liberty, I would expect they're pretty big favorites. And then the Dallas Wings are taking on the Las Vegas Aces in the other semifinal. Uh, games will be played Sunday, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday the following week, of course, Tuesday for the five-game series. Both uh, semifinals will be played during the same day, staggered by uh, anywhere from two to four hours apart. So there you go. It starts on Sunday. Sun at the Liberty at noon, and then Wings at the Aces at four. I wouldn't be shocked to see 
Liberty and Vegas kind of take a stranglehold on the series. You know, Liberty might sweep. Aces might. I, I think both Aces and Liberty are heavy, heavy favorites, but we'll see what happens. Well, there you go. Run through, if you will. A little WNBA action. But the uh, old Minnesota Lynx are done. 90-75 again. Wasn't really close. They got outscored in the first half by 16 and uh, never really got much closer than that. So Never recovered. There you go. Well, yeah, well. Tough sliding down 15 and a half. It, it very much WNBA is. is uh, the books and that leaves one final or at least one more thing maybe not the final thing maybe the final thing you know it's hard to tell uh college football Woo! is now week number four or five whatever you want to call it um yeah, we'll go week four it is week four top 10 oregon Notre Dame, Washington, Penn State, Ohio State, USC, Florida State, Texas, Michigan, and Georgia being number one. Notables in the top 25, the Iowa Hawkeyes, number 24. Colorado, who has been on a roll, number 19. Uh, Alabama's outside the top 10 and has looked iffy at best, I guess. For Alabama standards, it has been a big... what I mean by that. It's it been abysmal. For the Alabama standards. last week against South Florida. And, you know, RC likes to taunt uh, me with whoever the Raging Cajuns are playing. He'll take the other team. Uh, and Alabama's one he's talked about. Uh, old Alabama was down 3 nothing after one. Granted, they scored the next 17, but still... I don't know. It just doesn't seem like, and maybe once they hit SEC play, everything will be tuned up, but at least early things don't seem like they're quite as dominant. They beat middle Tennessee state. So you got that going. Then you lose to Texas lopsidedly, I might add. And then South Florida rolls in and it doesn't get any easier this weekend uh, they play host to Ole Miss, who's number 15. Granted, their schedule kind of levels out. They got Chattanooga second week from the end of the year. So the it usual. does level out, but it's an easy start for uh, Alabama, which most fans probably don't mind. It's been quarterbacking. Uh, That's been the biggest thing for Alabama, uh, quarterbacking. because turnovers. Jalen Milrow not keeping, keeping the ball under wraps. Had a couple of fumbles and a pick against Texas. I mean, not the greatest start for Alabama offensively. They look shaky. They've got a couple of great guys, excuse me, on the team. But, I mean, defense-wise, they're okay. Also, the Texas team that they faced, I will say it, Texas proving a very big win with Quinn Ewers and the Horns offense looking, how was it going to be with Quinn Ewers playing a full game against Alabama as last year he got hurt? Bijan Robinson, you don't really have him anymore. Um, and Al Gear, um, who are both at Atlanta. So you had two Texas running backs go to Atlanta, which is awesome. Um, but still, now you really – or it wasn't Al Gear who went to – actually, yeah, it was. Um, but you lose two major running backs, and so now where are you going to really look? Um, 
for the offense, well, Quinn Ewers and the Longhorns found it. Defense has looked great for Texas. Alabama has just, like you said, struggled really, really hard. But they've struggled with mainly the offense trying to get a leader at the helm. And it's pissing Saban off to no deal. And like you said, everybody's loving it. So, it's great to see Alabama, you know, not in the top ten. I'm, I'm loving that plastered. Ranked number 12, two and one, start seeing them move down every week. So, that's and speaking of teams, you know, you're probably not a big fan. I would like to see not succeed, but are succeeding. Uh, well, you know, they haven't played any conference games yet. Iowa Hawkeyes get it done, and finally, the 25-point-per-game average is being surpassed 85 points in the first three games. They hang it on Western Michigan late, 41-10. They've also beaten Iowa State and Utah State. They get some games under the lights the next two weeks, and it is going to be fun to watch Saturday. They're at number seven, Penn State. Under the lights, and if I'm not mistaken, it's a whiteout game. The following week, they play host to Michigan State at 630. That'll be a blackout game in Kinnick. They've got a couple of electric games in the national spotlight with uh, big potential early to start out 5-0. and Penn State, that's about as big of a game as they're going to get. There's not a lot of heavy hitters. Michigan State, Purdue, Wisconsin always seems to be a heavy-ish hitter. Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska, the final four games of the season for Iowa. Maybe Nebraska rares up. Maybe Illinois rares up because it seems like Iowa fumbles the bag against a team they shouldn't lose to. But, boy, they've got a big one Saturday, and if they can get Saturday and then the following week against Michigan State, Iowa could be making some noise uh, in the Big Ten. they got to get this Penn State team. Coach Franklin has Penn State rolling on all cylinders. I mean, this Penn State team, and especially you're playing in Happy Valley for a wideout, there is no better environment to play in college football for a theme to just play for, I mean, a night game, then Happy Valley at a whiteout. I mean, it it gets electric. You can't hear your own thoughts. You can barely even hear anything besides thousands of fans screaming, screaming everything. But Drew Aller for Penn State looking very sharp. This offense is just clicking on all cylinders. I mean, they really didn't leave off defensively from where they were last year um, in the Big Ten. They've looked incredibly good in their first three games. But they've got a tough Big Ten gauntlet as well. And then, I mean, you look at the rest of the teams around the Big Ten. you got Ohio State ranked six. They're dealing with some offensive issues as well. I mean, they've got Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside for a receiver who's one of the highly sought-after draft picks this year, um, potential Heisman candidate. And then they're struggling with a little bit of quarterbacking. They're struggling with some offense. I mean, they really did not look good in game number one. Ryan Day in this Ohio State um, offense has been slow start is is the easiest way to put it for that. Then you got Penn State, who is going to be a juggernaut this year. Um, Michigan, who's ranked number two in the country, but they've got a little bit of a tough schedule. They've lost a little bit of people, but they're keeping it up with them uh, with themselves. Ohio State's got a notable game this week. They got Notre Dame. That should be a thriller. And then going down the rest of the list here for – Big Ten teams, it slims down. Iowa, the last Big Ten team to get notably ranked in there. Um, USC, a up-and-coming Big Ten team. 
They're sitting at the top. Caleb Williams, reigning Heisman winner, and that Lincoln Riley offense doing what it does. Defense is just absolutely just pounding the piss out of people. And then UCLA as well, for, or a new Big Ten team coming in as well as many others, but UCLA ranked in that top 25. So I'll take the two up-and-comer Big Ten teams coming in, both USC and UCLA starting out 3-0 on the season. A lot of teams starting out really, really hot. The one team that I really want to talk about that's not going to shock people that they're on a 3-0 start, not going to shock people if this man ends up as a, or as a Heisman candidate finalist, and that's the Washington Huskies and Michael Penix Jr. I love this Husky team. Penix Jr. has this offense just absolutely ready to roll every single week. Defense plays well. I mean, they just play solid ground ground and pound football, West Coast offense style as well. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if these um, Huskies can keep it rolling in the Pac-12, who is absolutely stacked. One of the highest... Um, Conferences ranked teams. You got USC, Washington, Oregon, Utah's on that list there. So that's four. Throwing it down the rest of the list here. You got Oregon State, who's ranked in the Pac or Oregon State, who's ranked for the Pac-12, Washington State, and then UCLA. I mean, you've got a handful of teams that are playing very good football, and Oregon State's going to be a very dangerous team. Utah, if they can keep it up as they were last year. I mean, this Pac-12 conference for disbanding in the next couple of months. Looking to go out with a bang here, so be be ready for some of these teams to make some waves. No question about that, but, you know, you talked about Penn State and the whiteout being one of the premier, you know, atmospheres. Like I said, I was going to be playing in it two weeks in a row. Granted, they get to be back at home for a blackout, but, you know, you think about the Kinnick Stadium for a blackout. Oh, that's tough, too. One of the electric atmospheres in college football, and uh, one more team to touch on. Talked about it earlier, Raging Cajuns. Two weeks ago, they played Old Dominion and looked not good. Uh, ended up losing by seven, but it was worse than that. They bounced back this week, picking up a game they weren't, I don't think, on paper supposed to win, but absolutely rocked. UAB. They were up 24 zip at half and uh, got that going to where they were up 27 to nothing. They're going to be interesting to watch just because on their, you know, part of the Sunbelt Conference, they've got Texas State lurking. Um, outside of that, it kind of gets a little thin. South Alabama's off to a good start. UL Monroe's 2-1. and one. But on the other side of Sunbelt, you've got James Madison. Good old J-Mad over there. You've got Marshall and Georgia State that are still undefeated. But Raging Cajuns get back on track in uh, this game as they win at 41-21. Colorado keeps on keeping on in a game that got uh, Feisty. very late. <laughs> uh, fight, yeah, feisty is no question about that. And, you know, I don't know if I even want to say props to Colorado State because it's kind of a weird thing, but taking a shot at old uh, Deion Sanders and not taking the sunglasses off is a weird flex. Colorado State had him down late. Can't uh, can't be three thirty-five, and Colorado finally is going to have a test. If we're all being completely honest, TCU, Boom. you know, at the beginning of the year on paper was. 
They've got Oregon at Oregon, number 10. You've talked about it, 2.30 kick here in the central time zone. Fascinating stat. They were big dogs to TCU, 20-some points. That's the case again this week. Last I looked, and I'm currently re-looking here, 21-point dogs to Oregon. That's fascinating to me. I think, obviously, you can make the argument Oregon has the upper hand, but you look at who Oregon played. They haven't played. Texas Tech is probably their best game. They played uh, Portland State, 81-7 win, who Portland State just rocked an NAIA team, 91 to nothing. by the way. Weird stat there. Hawaii, their last game out, 155-10. Colorado uh, beat TCU by three. Obviously, that monster upset to start the year. Rolled Nebraska and then came back and beat Colorado State. But, yeah, 21-point dogs on the road as they open up Pac-12 play. And you talked about it. The Pac-12 kind of uh, kind of stout for a conference that's about to be blown to smithereens in the next uh, by next year. The one thing... If you look at their slate, Oregon State, number 10, you talked about it, but here's Colorado's, like, number 10 versus number 5, USC, at Arizona State versus Stanford, okay, at number 22, UCLA, versus number 14, Oregon State versus Arizona, at number 21, Washington State, and at number 11, Utah. Utah got a freaking gauntlet. Six of their next nine games are against ranked opponents with already having one, one ranked win. Easy for me to say. One uh, having one, one ranked game already. So here's, so, here's my so, biggest thing. I talked about this on the episode we didn't record, but it is listed. It is on record, and I do have the audio file. This was where everybody has been expecting. The Colorado State game showed a lot of this team is still developing. This team is still learning. Dion wanted to come in immediately and say, we want to build a team that can compete for potentially a national title, but we want a team that compete win now. He's not looking for, he's looking for winning down the road by winning now and recruiting this, not recruiting to win two years later. He wants to win now. With the way that the Pac-12 has come out and everybody leaving, but the way that the Pac-12 has come out with a fire lit underneath them, Bo Nix in Oregon, this is the first time that an offense is really going to give them a shot in the face. TCU coming out with um, not having their quarterback that they did last year with Max Duggan, not having a strong receiving core that they did as last year. This team was still a good ranked team in TCU, but it wasn't going to be what it was last year as being a national championship quote-unquote contender because nobody's going to give them the credit anymore after getting boat raced by Georgia. With Prime coming out with how big of a win that was, with the win against Nebraska in the first rivalry game that you really get to coach in, in a Power 5, and especially with as storied as this rivalry is between Nebraska and Colorado, getting that win was huge. Getting able to show over some adversity against a very strong defensive team in Nebraska, but still showing out how well you can shut down offenses, how well you can create turnovers, 
Fantastic. Shador Sanders, I'm not saying anything against him. The kid is a freaking just dog. Watching him play is so fun. Watching him play and showing off the kind of daddy boy facade that everybody was kind of talking about, it's gone. He's done his job. He has come out. He has played. He has performed. He's done well. Now the big question. You're out with Travis Hunter, who is their two-way guy. He's a star receiver on one side of the ball, star defensive back on the other side. He made two picks against TCU, put his name up for the Heisman contendency, but he's out with a lacerated liver after getting cheap-shotted in the Colorado State game. So now this begs the question, how's the defense going to build with this? With as strong as Oregon's offense is, it's going to be a tough game for Colorado to shut down. So I think if Colorado can get through this gauntlet of the next two weeks and steal one win away from either Oregon or USC, and I would say it's probably going to be from Oregon because I don't see them beating this USC team. They I, haven't in their team history, so, yeah, you know. I don't see them. Well, and it's a just, good assumption. With, with coming in as, as hot as USC has been and leaving where they were last year after losing to Tulane in their Cotton Bowl game, after Caleb Williams wins the Heisman, coming out as good as this USC team is looking with as good as this gauntlet is, if you can come out and win one of these first two big Pac-12 games, especially against ranked teams, I think you're good for now. You have to keep the tests coming and keep going with the punches and winning games, but if they can come out with one of these first two wins in Dion's first year, I'm absolutely astounded for this Colorado team, and that hurts to say, but it, it is fun to watch this team compete again. So I well, think it'll be interesting. Fun thing. That's the fun thing, too, is everybody had them projected for 2.7 wins for the entire season. They've already got three, so pretty much, kind of to your point, Anything ranked win-wise after this is just icing on the cake. Oh, 100%. Like, you know, they should beat Arizona State. They should beat Stanford. They should beat Arizona. Maybe Washington State or UCLA falls out of the top 25. Those are, you know, but if you can pick up a win against a Utah, an Oregon State, an Oregon, or a USC, really any one of those four teams, you know, obviously the fringe UCLA or Washington State would be nice wins too. But if you, like you said, it's just icing on the cake at this point. You've already got a top 20 win by oh, beating yeah. TCU. So, what I love. should be fascinating. But 21-point dogs, and I uh, that TCU win, I think they're 20-something point dogs in, too. Uh, let's see if they – they were 21-point dogs to TCU as well. Well, don't be surprised if Colorado beats Oregon, but it's a steep hill to climb once you get into conference play. And with as good as they've been, you know the targets on their back. You know that Oregon and USC both are going to give them all they want and more. Oh yeah, and especially with as good as both of these two teams, or all three of these teams are. I mean, it's just going to be a bloodbath. And I also love the statement that you made, not throwing Oregon State on the fringe team of the Pac-12 ranked teams, because folks, I'll let you. I'll. Put it to you straight right now. I don't see this Oregon State team going anywhere. These guys are electric. The Beavers have come ready to play. They've been trying to get this rebuild, and they've been doing it so well over the last few years because everybody has talked about Oregon State football. Well, correction, they really haven't, and that's the point. Oregon State football has not been a power. It's not been really there. Oregon State, if you really want to look at it, within the last decade, baseball's been their sport. 
Now they're coming in with a football team that's actually competing, actually winning, and doing as good as they are. And this Oregon they State a team. basketball runs. Oh, yeah. I forgot about those. But, I mean, you look at mm-hmm. where this team has flipped around from. It's the same thing as what Colorado has done. They just did it on a different standard. It's exciting to see the Pac-12 coming and going in the same season. But a lot of the conferences this within the next year are picking up a lot of great teams. The Big 12 is picking up Pac-12 guys. The ACC, I think, uh, the ACC might not be picking up. No, I think they are picking up a Pac-12 team. Big 10's picking them up. The SEC, I believe, is I mean, the only not the, the only non-power yeah. five that isn't picking up a uh, Pac-12 team, mostly because they already have enough to deal with with Texas and Oklahoma. But the way that these teams are competing, coming into these conferences, it's going to be outstanding for some of these schools because now you're going to have to really kind of whittle down on who is your bottom line teams. The SEC already knows it. If I'm, but they're even moving up. If I. If I'm the Big 12, I am sweating bullets a little bit seeing how good Colorado is right now. But it's good to I see mean, Colorado back yeah, in the Big 12. Right. Well, there's that, and I mean, it's good for the Big 12, but like, you know, the teams, the, the middle-of-the-road teams that are left there, they got to be kind of going like, we just got rid of Texas and especially Oklahoma. And now we're picking up Colorado right as they're starting to slide into what on paper could be a really exciting era of Colorado football. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun, but man, tough if you're the Pac-12 because everybody's so stinking good all at the same time. And what's going to be it? Yeah. That's just... It's kind of the irony of, I would so, say, yeah, the Pac-12. It'll be fascinating to see if they can get right and see if they can get anybody into the uh, final uh, or into that college football playoff. And They've got some teams to do it. have a USC, an Oregon, a Utah. One of those three will probably be your best shot, maybe Oregon State outside uh, chance there. But there's, there's going to be a good, good uh, competition, if nothing else, amongst the uh, – Pac-12. Indeed, there will be notable games to watch for the weekend. There's a lot of them, folks, but we'll list you off a couple. Obviously, we just talked, got done talking about it. Colorado and Oregon, that game kicks off at 2.30. Florida State, Clemson, that'll be a good get afternoon game to watch. For those of you who are Big 12 fans, the newcomers are playing their first Big 12 games. Oklahoma's got Cincinnati opening up. That's on the road. Um, Houston does have a game this week as well. Oregon... Colorado we talked about. Sorry, I'm just going down the list. Pac-12 matchup, once again, UCLA, Utah, that's ranked. Um, Old Miss, Alabama, can the Landshark defense and one of the best um, second-year running backs in, the, in college football from Old Miss give Alabama a full test? I think they can. Should be interesting to see how that goes. Then you got Oregon State, Washington State. The Pac-12 is beating up on each other early. I love to see it. LSU continuing to try to get their power back as they've got a good Arkansas team coming into town in the Baton Rouge area. Iowa State, Penn State, that game kicks off at 6.30. Whiteout in Happy Valley. Everybody's excited to see that one. And then I think my last notable game of the week here has to be Ohio State, Notre Dame. This one's going to be in South Bend, Indiana. The Irish looking to try to get back at Ohio State, but also Ohio State's really starting to, they need to click the, the gas pedal here. 
and get some stuff moving on offense. So a lot of ranked games this week, a lot of college football on Saturday. Friday night, we got a couple of games as well. Wisconsin-Purdue, NC State, Virginia, Boise State, San Diego State, and Air Force, San Jose State. Plenty more to come on that college football schedule as well. And a couple of games on there, you know, you talked about uh, some of them, and you may have skipped out, and I may have just not heard it, but Ole Miss-Alabama is really important in that if Alabama loses this game, you really see Alabama slip in the rankings. And not saying anybody would be disappointed by it, but Ole Miss is going to have a tall task going into Tuscaloosa. Looking at some of these lines is fascinating as well. Alabama, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, We talked about Iowa and Penn State. Penn State, early 15-point favorites. A line that, and I I rag on them all the time. You talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame's only three-point dogs at home. And Notre Dame, maybe they'll rear up and beat Ohio State, but Notre Dame, when it comes to playing top ten teams, isn't good. Struggle. At least at least recently. So Ohio State only being a three-point favorite is actually kind of a genuine surprise to me. Uh, you look at Oregon State's a three-point favorite over Washington State, top 21 teams there. Uh, you look elsewhere, Utah is only four-and-a-half-point favorites over UCLA. We talk down dogs to Oregon. Another fascinating one, non-ranked Clemson playing host to number four, Florida State, is only two-and-a-half-point dogs. That might be a game to watch for your early slate of games. Uh, Michigan, 24-point favorites over the Rutgers. Rutgers off to a 3-0 start. You never know. Could be upset special. Uh, and then you talked about Cincy at home against Oklahoma. They are 14-and-a-half-point dogs to uh, Oklahoma. And then uh, Tennessee, Miami, and Duke, top 25 teams, are all 20-plus point favorites over teams that are not you wouldn't expect much out of. Uh, LSU is 17-and-a-half point favorites over Arkansas. And Florida, 28-point favorites over Charlotte. And UAB, fresh off a, a piping hot L to the Ragin' Cajuns, goes to good old Athens where they are 42-point dogs to the number one team in the country. However, Georgia has been weird when it comes to, you know, putting up a lot of numbers against teams like uh, that. They did eventually against UT Martin. Ball State they did. Uh, So that one could be interesting to see if they can get that 42-point spread covered. Uh, That's a look at that one. And then... Texas, 15-point favorites over Baylor. And that pretty much sums her up. USC is monster favorites against Arizona State, 34-and-a-half-point favorites. That's some of the lines for this Saturday's football matchups. 9.30 kickoff, notably, as well for USC, Arizona State, as well as Cal and Washington. Washington, 20-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. Cal off to a two and one start. You can always thank the Pac-12 for successfully providing college football always late at night. Ending the football day. Oh, it's fantastic! There's still more football to watch on a Saturday night after watching plenty of it the next day. 
So, college football really heating up, and it's a fun time of year. It'll be I'm, – I'm super intrigued to see who really is the Final Four this year because so far not a lot of teams have put themselves significantly higher than everybody. Everybody right. takes a look at the rankings, and I mean, the one team that stands out to everybody, mostly because they're going to try to do it for three straight years, is Georgia. Starting off 3-0, Kirby Smart and the Dogs running running away with it so far at the moment. Then you got Michigan, a team who defensively still very, very strong, trying to see where they go after Cade McNamara no longer there. He is at Iowa at quarterback, so Michigan's trying to figure out where they can go. Texas is a team who's still trying to discover, okay, after this Alabama win, are we going to be able to still move the chains against the ranked teams when we come into the Big 12? Obviously, K-State, if you didn't see it last week, um, fell to Missouri, which K-State's still incredibly talented. Do not get me wrong. Um, although losing one of their running backs to the draft last year, or actually, I believe he's still, no, he's still there at K-State. He No, 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 no. He got drafted last year. So K-State, Trying to build their offense once again. Florida State, team who's looked a little interesting. Also, quarterback game now as they had their quarterback get injured in this last week. USC, a team that can bounce in. I mean, you go down this list. I mean, there are so many teams that you could see in the in the Final Four. So many teams that you can see struggle late in the season. So, it'll be interesting for me to see who kind of ends up there. I've got to say, if I've got a dark horse team that gets into the, t- into the Final Four at the end of the year... I've got Washington on my list, and I've got Penn State. I've got those two teams as my dark horses replacing a couple of so teams. So you're, you're really banking on a big old uh, win in the whiteout Saturday night against the Iowa Hawkeyes. I kind of am. If they, if they lose that, then they're uh, up against it. So that'll be interesting to see uh, if they can get that done. But a lot of good football, exciting time of the year, playoff baseball. Is just around the corner, an exciting two-week sprint to the end. You play 150 games just for a two-week sprint at the end of the year. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be a fun couple of weeks here in sports. And, uh, obviously, the NFL is uh, getting people all psyched up as well. A lot going on and a uh, good time for uh, sports. No question about it. Oh, yeah. We love this time of the year. Things are heating up and just getting wild, and we love it. We sure do. Well, with that being so said. Got, I was going to say, if I, uh, I've got nothing if you are uh, all wrapped up. I was going to say, I'm I'm sitting here back once again. Oh, I got one. We're going to throw this on the oh, nostalgia man. train. And if you guys didn't have this, and JC, if you're one of these people, I'm sorry you're getting thrown under this bus. If you didn't have these wow. as a kid, Shade. if you didn't see the commercials of these and go nuts and sing the song and go grab I feel them. Like I know where this is going. I, I hope you do because if you do, it's iconic. Folks, back when we were kids, there was a, a beautiful piece of, um, I don't even know, of, of dining ware that you could put your food on. <laughs> And it was marketed to kids to make mealtimes fun. Um, folks, it's coming back. Zoo Pals 
is making a reappearance in the world. And guys, wow. if you don't expect me to not pick up a pack, then you're wrong. Because I'm picking up a pack of Zoo Pals, and we'll get them here on the show. Oh, my goodness. I think my entire family, when we all saw this was coming out, one person posted it on an Instagram story, and all of us were like, holy shit, holy shit. And then all of a sudden, you see Zoo Pals on every single person in my family's story. I mean, if you, like I said, if you didn't come sit in for the song of Zoo, Zoo, Zoo Pals, and just all that... Oh, you didn't live, folks, back in the day. Today, their opening line to their story, their headline is, Zupal plates are may, are back after nearly a decade, and they already sold out on Amazon. The leadoff is, ka-ching, ka-ching, Zupal. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. That's just, oh, so, gosh. Yeah, apparently, uh, yeah, apparently they're, uh, they're on their way back. I love it. I'm here for it. I'm excited. I love it. Sign my ass up. I was going to say, they're capitalizing on uh, 1990s nostalgia all over again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, and also, you you came back Including, at the right age. The animal options include the following. Curly the pig, Fritz the frog, Cosmo the cow, Domino the Dalmatian, Baloo the whale, Tina the tiger, Shelly the turtle, Puddles the duck, Theo the bear, and Speckles the ladybug. I didn't know they all had names, but there you go. I really didn't either. I just, I just thought it was fun to eat off of them. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that. So yeah, that's that's wild. Well, I mean, you're marketing to the right people too. I mean, this group of our generation is now somewhat having kids, or if not, has had a couple, depending on. <laughs> Situate like I mean seriously there's though, a lot of, there's, I was gonna say, there's a lot of variables from the age of like oh. 21 to like 27 because you either are like married and have like a couple kids already or you're like me that's just like you know I'm just hanging out man I'll buy it <laughs> and it feels like there's like a just a giant like sliding scale of that of like yeah I I can already it, it, it is I can already play this out in my head I'm gonna order them off of Amazon when they come back in stock. And the best part is, is I would, I'll pay for them, but I'll order them off my dad's Amazon and have them sent here. And I'll get a text the next time, like the next time he sees his Amazon order going, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, I do, man. But dad, oink, oink, <laughs> oink, had to pull the trigger. Zoopals make eating fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I feel like he already knows you're gonna buy him, so it's all good. Oh, dude, I'm I'm gonna do it. And the best part is, one of my cousins, she has a kid who's gonna turn. He's like, I think seven or eight months here, maybe six months, something like that. So she, I know she's gonna buy him for his, for him little chuckles. If the not, real I'll buy him. The question is how much these are gonna cost because oh I feel God. like the uh, Hefty and Amazon and all these guys can charge whatever they want basically oh, yeah. for the ish. Because they don't come in big packs. As I remember they only come in like packs of like ten or fifteen. They're so small, bro. Mm-hmm. So And like yeah. Good old two oh. pounds. We'll leave you guys on a high note. I mean, that. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but yeah, I thought the Zoo Pals were Dunsky, but 
look out for the uh, 10 uh, zoo pals that are uh, making their triumphant return. I love it. I'm here for it. So leaving you guys on a high note with the nostalgia for the day. And if you guys made it this far, it's been two hours of your life. So we got to ask the question, what the heck are you doing? But at the same time, we appreciate the fact that you guys are here listening to us just yammer about sports and how much we hate concerts and love concerts. And then apparently how much we miss throwing, I guess, plated animals up on our faces and just running around the house with ketchup all over them and chicken nugget dust spilling all over the carpet and mom yelling at you. But you know what? Nostalgia hitting like a truck. Oh yeah. It's all here. It's all here and we're here for it. But folks, Make sure you guys leave us a follow and leave us a like on the Instagram and TikTok and Facebook posts that we got coming your way. We will get some out. It's going to be a big weekend. I got a wedding coming up, but we got Sunday football, so we'll get some time edited with that. Good old Dr. Jack. A couple, we're doing, doing a couple of episodes in there, too, so it's going to be a hectic week, no question. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of stuff coming up. And then deer season comes up for me in about a couple – or within a week, so, I mean – we're moving through, so stick with us, bear with us, love us if you have to. I mean, we're here for you, your entertainment, enjoyment, annoyance, I guess. I don't know, whatever you guys want to call us. We're here. We love doing it. We love putting the content out for you. So if JC doesn't got anything else for the rest of the night, we'll give you your time back. Yeah, I, I can't say anything that's going to top zoo pals, so there you go. Left it, left it on a hanger, but there you go. The golden nugget of the night is Zoo Pals. We'll have to see if we can get, if we got sponsored by Zoo Pals. That freak. <laughs> get them yeah, a good I can, old. I can hear it in your voice that you would, uh, you would, you would feel a certain way about that. I'd be giddy. But folks, we're two hours and five minutes in. We'll let you guys go. So thank you so much for listening to the good old Covert Show. This has been episode number sixty-eight, and we will see you guys next time.